I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. My monster from its lab began to rise when suddenly, to my Welcome to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for mid the Ides of February. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Monster Hunter World. Oh, snap. Uh, etu, Tame. Uh, my name is Jason McMaster, and uh, my game of the week is not Sea of Thieves. My name is Ian Slutes, and my game of the week is not Cuphead. Mm. Did you did you bang your did you bang your head against that for a while, Ian? No, I was trying to think about something that you know might somebody might say was all about boss fights. Ah. Uh, when perhaps another game would be compared to that. But Master, why can't we be like Ian? He got all thematic and relevant. Well, mine was actually kind of relevant. So when <laughs> I, I don't say really my... remember what mine was. So. <laughs> well, you, we could skip yours, Master. When I say my game of the week is not Monster Hunter World, which we're going to talk about today. I'm not necessarily saying, oh, I don't like it. I just don't think it's for me. Uh, and let's get into this. I'm going to be the wet blanket. Ian, what are your bona fides? Why are you uh, – by the way, Nick Diamond is on special assignment. He couldn't be here today. Uh, but he did provide us with a few notes about Monster Hunter World that I will read. Um, so, Ian, why are you joining us for a discussion of Monster Hunter World? Is this a game that you've lightly dabbled in? Do you love it? What, what, what's your background with Monster Hunters and specifically this game? Well, my original exposure to Monster Hunter was actually long, long ago when I uh, uh, visited the Capcom offices. Oh, um, name dropping. Mr. Fancy Pants had an in-person <laughs> tour. <laughs> but, but at the time, I must admit, I, you know, we just had you know, maybe 20 minutes to sit down and play some Monster Hunter with them. And I don't think that in that sort of whirlwind activity, it did the game justice. So right. for many years, I didn't really have another exposure to it. I thought it was mildly interesting, but I didn't really get into it at the time. And it wasn't until uh, the DS versions, or the 3DS versions, started coming out. And then I sort of uh, upset my coworkers when I said that the uh, that I thought Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate was the best game on 3DS. That's when I really sort of fell in love. Uh, I think I would accept that. What are other? Yeah, the 3DS doesn't have any good games, so that's okay. Say that, <laughs> uh, McMaster. What are your bona fides with this series? How many Monster Hunters have you played? More than me, or um, fewer than me? More than you, probably. Yeah, uh, right. I, I played the PSP. Um, I don't remember what it was called. I played a couple of the PSP ones. So. That's what it is um, for me as well, McMaster. Is going back to the Sony handheld things when it yeah. was when it was kind of an import from Japan, and they would throw a token release out on the PSP or <laughs> yep. the Vita. But it's it's mainstream now. Like this is a big yep. mainstream uh, multi-platform release, uh, and I think they've made some significant changes to make it more palatable to you know, for instance, guys like me. Um, oh, yeah. Ian, you know, what? Go ahead, McMaster. Uh, I'll say too that you know, in uh, to to her credit, really, these are more Sarah's things than mine, uh, and I would have her speak to that, but she's upstairs streaming right now. But she is, uh, she's the one that's like really good at it. Like that's you know, that's her thing. She likes. So what you're saying it. is we should have gotten her instead of you for the podcast. I think most of the time that's the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ian, as a as a guy who goes back. 
because uh, McMaster and I basically skipped the last Monster Hunter on yeah. on the the DS and maybe it was on the Wii or whatever. Uh, as the guy who's seen its evolution most recently, uh, what is new and special about Monster Hunter World? That wasn't in the, the Nintendo releases. Well, I'd say that Mon- the first uh, interesting thing about Monster Hunter World is it kind of um, it, it almost completes a journey that was started with uh, Monster Hunter Four, and that's where in between three and four they started changing sort of how you navigated the game. Like mm-hmm. the the player m- maneuvering started becoming more fluid, and they started adding the ability to jump off of ledges and things. And before that, you know, the different environments were kind of little arenas. Mm-hmm. But yep. by adding the jumping and the climbing, it became a more of a, a textured game. Um, and I think this sort of world is almost the ultimate uh, expression of that process. Now, right away, I want to get to something that I, I kind of don't mind, but it's an observation I have about the series. Uh if this is their attempt to make the movement more fluid, because <laughs> I feel that the, the movement oh, yeah. in this is super uh, janky, for lack of a better word, but just the, the, the way the climbing works and the way I'm sometimes sliding down a hill, and for the life of me, I can't jump on a monster's back. I don't really <laughs> know how jumping works. So I, I feel like it's still got some very peculiar idiosyncrasies in terms of movement and control. Uh, so it must have been – and I. I guess I don't remember specifically, but it must have been really terrible in the past. Well, it was really just quite limited. Okay. And and I mean, so it, there's there's a strange, um, you know, in the in terms of the fighting in Monster Hunter, there's a sort of deliberateness to it. This sort of like low tempo action uh, that I think it carries over into the navigation, into how players clamber around. Like everything in Monster Hunter is is sort of, uh, you know, on this sort of low-frequency wham, wham, you know, uh, kind of motion, right? It's no, it's no Ninja Gaiden. No. <laughs> well, before we get into the combat, because that is something I do admire, let's talk a little bit more about the, the world itself uh, and the navigational options and stuff. Uh, the previous Monster Hunters, partly because of technological limitations, were very much kind of outdoor corridors and it was very controlled where you could go and you would go through a little tunnel and come out into a discrete open area and then that might be connected by a tunnel and maybe even loading screens if i recall correctly but there was very much a sense that that the world was comprised of different uh chambers for for, for lack of a of a better word uh that's not really the case anymore right yeah that's actually a really good description of that uh, I, that's the funny thing about like the new game is like the map itself is still kind of reminiscent of that because you notice everything's like numbered and stuff like that like it used to be and that was where it was just kind of like oh I have to go to area 8 that's going to require me to run through this tunnel you know it's kind of weird but it's so wide open now it yeah, did occur so, to you. go ahead sorry it, it's so much of a relief to have just the uh, yeah. free flowing environment rather than the individual regions you know being moved between discreetly. And it also, I think, invites comparison. And here's where I start to have issues. Uh, and by the way, I just want to make clear, I'm not saying that I, I – I'm not meaning to impugn Monster Hunter World in any way. I'm just saying that the kinds of games that I like and enjoy, Monster Hunter World is definitely not in my bailiwick. Like it's not – it doesn't have the kind of stuff I look for. Uh, and one of the things that – I think it's a little bit problematic is the world building because they're trying to be more open. 
uh, I think it kind of invites comparison to other open worlds. And in comparison, it still has this weird limited feeling. The the areas, they're certainly more generous than previous games, but there's still this sense of, of being sort of smaller and tightly contained. Uh, I, I just feel that it, it's no it, it's no Skyrim, I, I guess. And that it's not really trying to be, to be fair. But it's no – here's – it's no Horizon Zero Dawn because Horizon Zero Dawn is another game that's very hunt – centric but it has that traditional skyrim openness where you've got big vistas and uh so is it fair to criticize monster hunter world for not living up to other uh open world games in terms you know, of world building honestly what i would say is is it's to me it's not a comparison to those it's a comparison to the dark souls games because the dark souls games are pretty open too actually it doesn't seem like it but they are you can walk anywhere especially you know, specifically in like what dark souls 2 maybe 3 just like from the get go Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the way that it's so the combat's so methodical and everything, uh, it always kind of begs the comparison. Or this one begs a comparison for me of like Dark Souls Three, which I'm more of a Dark Souls fan, so I'm going to go with Dark Souls. But uh, it it still kind of scratches that itch for me too, in a way as well. So it, it, it's an it's in an interesting space, I think. I think it is possible to ask a question, you know, about this open world thing because one of the intriguing things about this Monster Hunter is, you know, they it's it's been described as they they were gonna really change the the uh, the game. They were gonna make it extraordinarily new player friendly. Oh god! And you know, some of it is actually more similar to the way things have always been done. Like there are some critical changes that do make it easier, but things like what you're saying is it's not truly an open world game, right? Because it is still there's these large maps and you're traveling between them. Even though the larger maps inside them, they're looser, it's not an open world game, right? So it's like they've changed some things, but other parts are much more close to how it's always been done. It definitely – like it doesn't feel revolutionary to me. I mean it feels like uh, – and a lot of these the, – the new things are certainly welcome, but I'm a little bit surprised that it feels kind of – I can sort of see – very clearly its connection to those little tiny games I played on the PSP uh, for better and worse. And by the way, and partly for better, uh, let let me now sort of shift us to something where I think we can all agree. Uh, The combat in this is awesome, right? Like the personality of the different weapons. That's been a a trademark of Monster Hunters all along. Uh, And it's better than ever in this one, right? Oh, it's beautiful. It's because it's like each uh, weapon is just a, a, a sort of a labyrinth of skills for you to confront, right? Like uh, switching weapons is like learning a new game. Yeah. And they're, and they're all like, here's, they're all kind of uh, like, they're, you can choose in a way a difficulty level too, based on which weapon you pick. Uh, and it, it's relatively, I mean, it does expect you with its crafting systems to, I guess, invest in one particular weapon. Um, but it does let you swap it up and decide, oh, I don't like this one, or this one's too hard, or, okay, now I'm ready to try one that's more challenging. Um, but well, one let, of the, uh, Go ahead, Ian. One of the things that makes this one quite easy is you can, uh, you can break down. Once you've crafted a weapon, if you used a lot of resources to get there, oh. you, can, you can uncraft it and get those pieces back out to go yeah. try was, something else. When was the game going to tell me that? There, never, you know, never, you never would probably. be amazed how many conversations you can have with somebody to discover – uh, 
user interface changes in this particular version. Well, you know, for instance, I didn't know that until I was upgrading my weapon once, and I was like, oh, man, that one looks better. And I saw that button, I was like, well... Let's just see what happens. And it like gives you all of it back. So I was like, well, okay, okie dokie. So, you know, oh, so there's, yeah. there's, there's just a button on the screen that says yeah. un- undo it, or whatever? Yeah, in the uh, blacksmith screen. Yeah, you go through there. And, you know, you have the trees and stuff you can go through. If you go to the one you're on, you can, like, yeah, you can walk it back. Yeah, and then it, you can move down the tree to somewhere else or do whatever. You know? It highlights the ones above you on the tree, but it also highlights the one below you on the tree. So right. you can just... You can just move that weapon around the tree. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know because I – well, uh, I, I do appreciate that. Then here, uh, though, let me raise an issue that I I seem to recall has been brought up about Monster Hunter as long as it's been around. And I think that staunch Monster Hunters are going to be in support of this. I still don't understand it. Or I do understand it. I still think it's a bad decision, this idea – that you can only take one weapon into the field. I think for a long time people have asked, uh, and maybe it's just more casual folks like me, why can't I take two weapons? Because if I'm playing alone, for instance, a crossbow is going to be useless. Like, Why can't I have a crossbow and a melee weapon? Uh, and especially because the weapons are so gratifying uh, and, and in some instances very specific, why can't I take more than one? Stop – quit forcing me to specialize like that, Capcom. Well, and what they're doing, they're forcing me to play it multiplayer, right? Yeah. I don't think it's just forcing you to play it multiplayer because sometimes – I mean you know, I'm not going to stand in front of anybody who says they'd like a feature and say, well, maybe you want something else. But the, the other thing that uh, sort of limiting you to doing one weapon forces mm-hmm. is that – it gives you a chance to sometimes do things that your weapon isn't that good at doing, but you have to figure out a way to make it work anyway. So well, it, becomes, it becomes a slightly different exercise at that point. Well, let's say because I do love that heavy crossbow because or cross I think they call them cross guns or whatever because it's a, it's a big honking machine gun. I love that about it. I love playing with the different ammo types, but sometimes I want to play Monster Hunter alone. I don't mm-hmm. want three random yahoos joining me uh i am this, me this is hard to believe i was gonna say it's hard to believe but sometimes i don't even want to play with mcmaster uh-huh. sometimes i just want to faff about on my own maybe explore uh not do any super difficult hunts uh and i feel like if i love that heavy crossbow so much i don't have any way to melee and ian i get what you're saying but it it seems like the game is telling me sorry you can't melee all you get is this sort of minor reprimand of, of punching with the, the crossbow. Uh, like, I, I still feel like I, I'm being punished if I want to play alone. I have it on good authority that if you want to make the crossbow work, or the, the heavy bow gun right. bow work gun, that right. way, you should add the shield attachment to it. What? So that when the monster closes in, you turtle down and take the hits just fine. Where do I get that? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's in the uh, Bellaxmith. I think you can also customize. There's you can have attachments to your heavy cro- heavy bow gun to uh, produce different effects. Oh, that's like a whole. Isn't that a whole separate menu when you go into your room and you're looking at stuff? Yeah, like yeah, there, yeah. There are options, and there's even some weird thing with a blow gun that has special things that I'm like, wait, what is all that? <laughs> all right. Well, I 
I still, though, want two weapons because I want to play alone, and I don't want to be forced to just smack things on the nose with the crossbow and then hunker down defensively. Like I, uh, oh, and, and I do think it is – well, I do think it is uh, <laughs> not forcing, to be fair, but strongly encouraging multiplayer. Yeah. And, and to their credit – uh, it's really seamless in Monster Hunter World. It just happens because I, I was playing and thinking I'm not going to join a party or anything, and suddenly there's three randoms in me, and I think by default that's how the game works. If you don't want it to be open to other players, I think you have to consciously shut it. Yep. And I didn't mind that. To be fair, like it's not like they were stealing goods from me or keeping me from getting XP or anything. They were they were actually helpful. Um, yeah. And I think Capcom wants it to be that way because traditionally the Monster Hunters, if I'm correct, uh, in Japan, they were very much part of uh, Japanese gamer culture where people would gather physically and play LAN games or link their PSPs yeah. uh, with wireless connections. Monster Hunter was popularly played that way in Japan when in America we didn't quite have that culture. We were more inclined to play things on online. Uh, so as far as this idea that it should be played multiplayer, that it caters to multiplayer, that this idea that certain weapons have weaknesses that can be offset by playing with your friends, uh, I feel like that's very much intact in Monster Hunter World, but it's pretty painless. Yeah, yeah I also feel that – and I mentioned this while we were playing one night – that the game just uh, – the way it runs and because it's a Capcom game and everything is so reminiscent of Lost Planet to me in multiplayer where <laughs> it's just kind of like you, you're all like working together against for one common goal, you know. Uh, now – Lost Planet did have the amusing side effect of having real shitty jobs that people would have to do and, you know, stuff like that. So you could talk a lot of trash, but uh, it, it still has that feel to it, you know. Well, in Lost Planet 2 had, if I recall correctly, really funky weapons. Oh, yes. Like it, and, and so you could have <laughs> – like I could be using a really funky specialized weapon, and then, McMaster, you get up there and tank that monster, and I'm just going to stand right. back here and use this weird gun that I found. Right. Like when when we were playing it on 3DS, that's exactly how it felt. You know, you would you would say, "Hey, all right, you need to concentrate on the tail, and I'll start hitting him in the head and things like that." Um. Now, uh, Ian. So as uh, so, real quick, let's. Do, I, I have not gotten very far in it, and that's one of the reasons that I need you guys here to to talk about it, uh, because I've only gotten to like the second map. Uh, I have been told. That it's basically a game that you got to play for ten hours before you really know what's going on, uh, and I have not quite put those ten hours in, or however long it takes. Uh, so uh, I, I'm the noob here. I'm I'm the guy who really doesn't quite know what he's doing. Uh, Ian, how much? Like how? I don't want to say how far have you gotten because I don't know how you would express that. But uh, how seriously, I should say, have you played Monster Hunter World? I've been marching along. I got past the uh, the first guy that starts to make you bleed out, which is named uh, – I have the names here in front of me – Oga Garan. <laughs> so there you go. If anybody's playing at home, they can know exactly how far I've gotten, which is I've defeated the Oda Garan fight. Now, is, is Oda Garan a, a, like a later boss or something or a mid-game um, boss? I don't know. He's 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 pretty rough when you first encounter him because he's fast. He's one of the fast creatures, but he's not. Uh, he's not a. He's a. He's a late game fast creature. Okay. So it's the first time anybody's rushing around at you at that speed, and uh, the bleeding effect can be quite a surprise when you first uh, encounter it, since you start taking damage unless you do something about it. 
Oh, it's like a damage over. It's an, it's introducing a new damage over time mechanic, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, so then could you, for instance, I, uh, what is that McMaster? What is that Allosaurus looking thing that you and Mike Cathcart helped me kill? What do you call those? What the flying squirrel dude? No, before that, it's it's a fairly it's a fairly it's maybe like the third big badass dinosaur you're supposed to kill, and it just looks like a T Rex with weird oh. little fins stuck on it. The you mean the pink T Rex? No, mm. the Anginoth. Yeah, yeah. Anginoth, right, right, that thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it Ian, uh, fire. the fact that I exactly it's a fire breathing T Rex. Ian, the fact that I can't kill that on my own, that on my own I'm gonna die every single time, <laughs> barely nick its hide. Like, is, is that something now, like, could you take one of those on alone, or is that just the way the game works? Is so there's I no was, way I will take an Anginoth down alone? I was working on my, uh, my artillery charm, and mm-hmm. the real challenge for me was whether I could defeat an Anginoth in 15 minutes or not. <laughs> and I was never quite able to get it below the 15-minute uh, the mark. I could make it about in 16 minutes, no problem. So well, now I have to ask, uh, what's an artillery charm? So the uh, the other thing that you know you were talking about, hey, I wish you could take multiple weapons. Uh, by the as you progress in the game, they start you start getting access to skills, and which are basically from your from your armor. So really, yeah, I've, what, I've seen those screens. Like I've seen yeah. when because I, I love looking at numbers and displays, and I've seen that there's skill stuff in there, but I've got yeah. bupkis in the in that part. Yeah, well, so yeah, in the, you the early parts of the game, there's very little, yeah. And then as you progress, the different pieces of armor start to add to your skill set. And so I'm a, my main weapon is the gun lance. Um, and so one of the most important skills for gun lance is uh, the artillery skill, because it increases the damage that my shells uh-huh. do, and it decreases the rate it, or the time it takes to recharge the gun lance's uh, super attack. Mm-hmm. So I needed Anginath parts to uh, finish my artillery. Now, it, when, is our friend exaggerating when he tells me, "Look, you got to play for ten hours before you know before you can really appreciate the game"? I, so, I think the way he put it actually was, "It's it, it, it's ten hours before it gets good." I think that's the way our friend expressed it. I, I know it took me 14 hours to make sense of Monster Hunter 3. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of just sort of stuck at it in a kind of bloody-minded, I want to figure out why how this works. And eventually, I kind of got it. Uh, but it did take more than 10 hours for me to well, figure it out. I'll say this about this game so far. It's like, the 10-hour thing, I kind of agree with him on, just because... That's about how long it takes to unlock the interesting things to do. You know what I mean? Like, you don't – you're pretty much led around by the nose until that point is what I think really is, is the thing. Because then like – it, Like, it's still – I feel like it's still introducing game mechanics to me. I can always go do an uh, investigation yeah. or adventure or whatever it's called and just hoover up collectibles. Like, I'm not being uh, – it's not on rails or anything, but I do feel like it's it's still got a bunch of game mechanics, like this artillery charm thing and the shield yeah. attachment, like stuff that either hasn't been explained yet or is probably never going to be explained, and I'm supposed to figure it out on my own. I just feel like there's a lot of that in there. Uh, there's no, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, and you know what? It never stops giving you tutorials and new crap. 
as far right. as I can tell. Like it, it'll, it's been introducing stuff still at like you know I'm only at like 17 or 18 hours, but it's still constantly introducing stuff. You know, Let's, some games have a, a sense of elegance that is their no. charm, but Monster Hunter <laughs> is the counterpoint, which is there's a certain sublimity of just stuff or complexity, you know. Yeah, I'm tempted. To, it, 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 yeah, it's it's very much, and that's partly where I too see clearly the connection to the earlier Monster Hunters. There are ways that it just kind of pounds its fist on the table and say, "Damn it, this is the way we do it in Monster Hunter series." Uh, let, let me real quick read the three things that Nick likes about Monster Hunter and get some comments from you guys on this. Number one, uh, he likes the cat sidekicks, and he says. He wished he could play as a cat instead of a human. And they're called – McMaster, what are the cats called? Palicos. Right, and I didn't think you would get that I'm one. I'm with him on that one. So uh, no, in Monster Hunter mm-hmm. 4, you can play as the cat. What? Oh. They have a whole set of uh, cat quests, and the cat is just a load of fun in that game. Well, I'm kind of hoping they add the in. cat to this one yeah. as well. Yeah, oh, DLC. Okay. They need that. Uh, Nick also calls out what what he describes as food porn. He says he wants to eat every bit of food in the game, uh, and I don't know that that's specific to Monster Hunter. I think there are a lot of are they yeah, a lot of uh, Japanese games like uh, Odin Sphere oh, and what else? I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, Japanese games love their food porn. Yep. Monster Hunter seems to go one step further because it's the only one that I'm aware of in which the freshness of the ingredients can vary from day to day. Uh, I'll see your Monster Hunter and raise you Kingdom Come Deliverance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, And then finally, Nick calls out the Scout Flies. He says, how does this really work? Why? I have no idea, but I like it. Uh, And the Scout Flies, too. I... Let me just tell you, for all my complaining, it would be ten times as loud if it wasn't for those stupid scout flies. Oh, yeah. I found them so confusing initially, but now they're my friends. Oh, they definitely – at first I was like, what is this? This But once I sort of observed it and watched its behavior and realized that it takes a little bit of time to catch up, and if I stop, it'll do its own thing, and the way the color coding works, uh, I feel that the scout flies – which in a way is, is is just a refined version of an Unreal Tournament. I think you used to be able to hit a button and it would guide you somewhere, a little flying thing. Uh, and it's just kind of that. It's a way of saying, hey, look at this, look at that. This is something worth considering. Maybe look at this. Oh, no, this is coming. Like it's, it's giving you that kind of information. Yeah. Uh, and I really like that they added the uh, – the tracking that's sort of a new that's mechanic awesome. in this game and being able yeah. to like find the paths and pick up the dung and things like that. I thought was uh, pretty cool and how the scout flies work with that. I thought was great. So explain to me what that is Ian, because I know there's the guy that I turn in the research to, but I love the idea of examining footprints to level up my Intel. Uh, where is that taking me? What does so, that do? I only have a mystical, a semi-mystical understanding of all this. <laughs> I don't necessarily know exactly how it all works, but I have a rough understanding, which is that basically the investigating these things adds to the n- knowledge base, which then unlocks the investigations. And so it's it's understanding the relationship between sort of exploration and investigation and then because the exploration is just you go out there you harvest some resources you're not on in a quest 
you know, you can look at animal tracks and things like that. Right. There's no timer. It's right, right. Yeah. And so the investigations, which is a cool feature, are basically challenges that you are unlocking via that behavior. And those challenges have better rewards. That's why it was so important for me to say, could I get an Anjanath dead in 15 minutes? Because if you unlock the investigation that says kill an Anjanath in 50, then you'll only get uh, like bronze rewards. Mm -hmm. But if you can do it in 30 minutes, then you get like silver rewards. And if you can kill a whole Anjanath in 15 minutes, then you'll get two gold rewards for it, which means that if you're really trying to build something, it's a much more efficient way of getting there. Oh, so you're not – when you were talking about the Anjanath in 15 minutes, I, I just assumed you were kind of trying to challenge yourself. No, this the is game something threw down the in, gauntlet right. and said, hey, we'll give you more pieces if you can right. achieve that. Uh, let me let me raise another complaint, and I'm not necessarily sure I believe this. I just want to know how you guys would respond. Um, one of my problems with the combat is I can't see how many hit points a monster has. Why can't it have a bar over its <laughs> – shut up, McMaster. Let me finish the question. Why can't it have a red hit point bar floating over it? Okay, yeah, go. Yeah. Now you can answer the question. Oh, so blah. <laughs> Seriously. I don't yeah, know no. how many hit points does – I don't know how close it is to being dead, McMaster. How am I supposed to, to know how many hit points it has? You're supposed to watch the monster and understand it. I was almost yeah. scandalized that they put hit points for how you're doing damage, but I'm kind of glad they did that now. <laughs> oh, wait. No, wait. Like numbers flying up? Yeah, in the old yeah. games, they didn't show any of that, right? Oh. But you just had the hit sparks to go by, just sort of like you know things would flash. And now they actually say how much damage you're doing. Ah, I'm so used to that that I think I didn't even notice because I took it for granted, right? right? It's quite nice. It helped me learn how to handle my, uh, my weapon better. But, um, but yeah, I think the, you know, a big theme of the game is sort of understanding the monsters. Like, your first fight against the new monster is always really sloppy because you don't understand its behaviors. And so you're supposed to observe how that monster acts. Like, what's its ebb and flow of energy and things like that. And so that's why they don't show you the health bar, because you're trying to get a sense from the observed data of what he's feeling. It, it does the whole the whole game has this weird kind of tone of you know it's a game about hunting things and using their parts to build things that makes it easier to hunt things but there's this weird kind of conservationist undertone to it uh, about like learning about the animals and respecting them and studying them uh, in a way that that I really like I, I appreciate that that it's not just hey go out there and kill stuff and and take its body parts uh. it, it's a very weird sort of idealized human uh, world, right? Where, you know, they use they use all of the parts of the animal. They build their entire cities out of a few trees and, uh, you know, giant monster skulls, right? It, it's, it's very, it's a green-friendly game, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so the, the monsters, I'm, I need to, I need to basically fight battles poorly to learn the behaviors, to figure out how to kill them. So as you alluded before, Ian, this is just a game about boss fight after boss fight after boss fight, right? So I don't actually think that that's true, and that's why ah. I, I chose the contrast. Because, you know, what I really think it's a game about is almost preparation. The, the actual fights themselves, like when you're trying to, you know, hit a new monster and move up that sort of quest tree, you know, usually that's sitting at the very top of a large amount 
of, you know, you had to go build your potions. You maybe had to craft a new weapon. You had to learn how to use it effectively. And so there's all this stuff that you kind of have to do before you can really feel like you can take a, take a whack at that monster. Yeah, you know, the perfect example of that's the Anjanath to me. And, like, when I, what I told Tom when we were fighting is that, like, to me, the Anjanath's, like, the first real gear check, kind of, like, <laughs> gut check, like, level check kind of thing in the game. Uh, because, like, I had a horrible time with that thing <laughs> until, until I crafted armor and then specifically leveled up fire-resistance armor so that I wouldn't just die instantly when he hit me with anything fire-related, you know. And I had to build a better weapon, you know. But once I did that, and I, I, you know, I barely beat it, but I did beat it because I was solo. So it is totally a game about preparation. There's no doubt about that. Alternatively, it's a game, McMaster, about having you and our other friend, Mike Capcart, <laughs> get in there and kill the engine off for me while I stand back and try to figure out the, how the crossbow – the crossgun works, the bowgun works. Yeah, he's like he's like the pinball wizard of, game, wizard of games like that, Mike. So, you know, he's like – he's sitting at home right now playing <laughs> – well, playing Monster Hunter. I mean I didn't I, – I, this is my own fault, but what where the game is supposed to be – introducing that hey gear up you know get ready this is what the challenges are going to be like i didn't you guys did all that for me and and i just sort of hung back and was like tagging along and every now and then taking a few pot shots at it uh and, and i kind of respect that the game will let me do that if i want to uh i didn't le- I, I honestly didn't learn anything from that other than don't get near that thing just give it a wide berth and let your friends kill it yeah my, uh, mike killed it for the most part but god that thing hit so freaking hard sometimes i wonder if this game has more in common with some of the weird uh sort of mm, job based games like harvest moon sure where but it's for a job that just doesn't exist yeah right it's like they've got all this stuff you know it's very important for them that you have to craft every potion and 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 everything yourself you can't just go buy it in a shop but you know nobody actually they're not simulating anything real it's it's this bizarrely manufactured universe and ian you you have put your finger on why this is not for me and why i peter out before i hit that 10 hour mark where it gets good i don't mind running around and hoovering up flowers and mushroom and ore and clues and cave paintings and 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 really needing this skin or that claw i don't mind that these crafting systems uh but I don't. I, I need a game world support structure around them. I need these crafting systems to be within the context of playing something like Guild Wars or The Witcher or Assassin's Creed. Uh, you know, when you compare this to like a, a Harvest Moon or something, that's right. Like this is in a way like it feels like crafting for, for crafting's sake to me. Like it that 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 crafting is it just kind of comprises the entirety of the game world in lieu of whatever backstory or lore or activities or exploration I might get in other open-world games. Well, when I started making more sense of the game uh, back with 3, it's when it was the realization that I was playing something more like a board game almost. You know, the, the, the goal is, you know, to advance, and it's like, what is the minimum amount of stuff I need to do to overcome the next hurdle? So... You're right. It doesn't have necessarily the thematic underpinnings of a game like um, 
the one with the robot dinosaurs. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, right. it, does, that, it doesn't have example, the, yeah. the sort of the story and stuff to hold it up. It's but if I sort of think of it more as like, you know, one of the board games I'm enjoying or something like that, then it makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, because it is it it does, and and I can see them. I do see them trying to create these thematic underpinnings, and I don't know how prominent this is as the game goes on. But early on, they're creating this idea of you're coming to this new world, and lots of characters are wanting to talk cutscene stuff to me, and I'm just skipping past that because it just it seems very awkward and superfluous. <laughs> uh, so I, I can see them trying to put that in there, and I think trying to appeal to the kind of people who play Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, but I'm just I'm for, for me I wasn't falling for it like they weren't sustaining the illusion uh, well enough. Um, yeah, Monster Hunter story is just kind of insane too. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, Ian, I have a theory that when you like a game enough, you will uh, excuse any short. You will come to believe that the lore in it is really cool. For instance, <clears throat> get me started sometimes talking about the Guild Wars Two lore. Don't. Uh, Please. Yeah, no, no, I can explain the Azor. I, I can the Elder Dragons, the gods. I know all this. Balthazar's not one anymore, by the way, so that doesn't count. <laughs> but I can explain all of this stuff not because I think it's innately good, uh, but because I love the game so much that I'm like, okay, game, if you're gonna sit here and and give things these little thematic reasons, I like you well enough, game, that I will now be interested in your goofy lore. What about uh, Ian? It? Oh, sorry. Go for ahead. me, no, I, I'm afraid I don't have any defense for the lore. I mean, I'm just. You know, I'm along for the ride. I like the, uh, you know, Monster Hunter, it sort of presents itself as a pure game, right? It's the thematics and the story, they're kind of there, just enough to, you know, I get a little bit curious. I wonder what they'll discover in the uh, mm-hmm. the next zone. But That's how it starts, time, Ian. That's how it starts. You're on the it, road to caring about the lore. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I, I cut you off, though. You were saying at the no, same no, time. It, it, it also just presents itself as like these – it's just this puzzle of systems that you yeah. have to contend with, and there's a real joy to that. I do like your board game comparison because it is – puzzle of systems is, is a good way to put it. And a lot of video games, because of the kind of audiences they're generally appealing to, they can't get away with that. It's got to yeah. be super dressed up in either fancy graphics or lore or thematic stuff or uh, – yeah, exactly. And so there, there is a the kind past, of – I think in the past you were talking about that solitaire board game like Nemo's War, right? Right. Yep. You know, I think if, if somebody just sat you down and said, yeah, it's this game where you're this guy and you have to defeat this <laughs> series of dragon sores, you know, and each one's bigger than the next. And it's not always clear how to how to advance it. Then that's almost like the the correct mental state, I yeah. think, to be in to enjoy Monster Hunter. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I asked you guys before we started, you know, list a few things that you feel makes this uh, unique or that makes it especially work for you. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you guys think is a special element of, of Monster Hunter? Cat chefs. You know what? <laughs> Nick Nick called that as two separate things. He loves the cats and he loves the food porn. So, McMaster, you got scooped. Yeah, but together. Oh, cats! You have the cats being involved in the food porn. I see. Right? Oh yes, 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 and the fact that the cutscenes for the what they're cooking change on occasion. I was very pleased to find that. That was a nice little surprise. As oh, I thought, oh wonderful. god, it's going to be the same animation every time. But when I level them up, no, they do a different little sort of dance number to serve my food. Yeah, my uh, younger is- daughter gets very irritated if I skip it. Don't do that, Ian. That stuff is great. Yeah. Uh, why does Monster Hunter have? cats and, and not like dogs or foxes or rabbits what what's their deal with cats do we know even 
I, I don't think there's any explanation at all. It's just that the, the monster underworld is made of there's there's clearly humans. There's there's humanoid characters with long ears. Mm-hmm. There's the short sort of dwarfy looking people. Yeah. I think there's a whole nother set of other people who are short but have long ears and are called like Wiverians. And then there's the Grimalkins, which I think is the correct term for the cats. Uh, Calicos are the ones working for you, but I think Grimalkin is the generic term for them as a total. Yeah, and uh, like, yeah, if you get a little bit further into Monster Hunter World, you start running into the people with the long ears and all that. Yeah. Look at you guys getting into the lore. You might not know the right words, but that stuff is lore. <laughs> you're, you're called out. <laughs> I just don't know why it's all there. It's just it's this weird collection of stuff. It is strange. And I can't get enough of it. I do uh, yeah, feel I that that is part of its appeal. That's what I loved about Lost Planet. Is Lost oh, Planet yeah. was just so random and weird and unprecedented. And why are these guys in those helmets? And why are we fighting these Jawas? And it, it just made no sense, <laughs> which was its own sense in a way. And I, I guess I think there's some of that going on in Monster Hunter as well. Yeah. Oh, it's so delightful. That Lost, God, Lost Planet, man. Oh, God, that freaking game. <laughs> Uh, Ian, when you play Monster Hunter, are you playing generally with other people? I know you're trying to do that 15-minute Angosaurus, whatever, uh, challenge. Uh, but do you have like a regular group? Do you just join in with randoms? Uh, how are you doing it as far as a multiplayer game? I do I'm, I do about a mix. So I've, I've been doing mostly on my own, uh, but I do have a friend, and we team up. And then every once in a while, I get I join in with the randos. Uh, and is there there? Am I correct? There's no drawback to joining it to four people because it's not like you're there are no experience points in the game, and it's not divvying up the loot, right? It gives everyone the same amount of loot. Yeah, no everybody drawback. gets the loot, so it's there's no drawback to there. So there is a small scale. I think that it it levels up the monster a little bit if oh, your right, friends right. are with you. So if one of them's oh, yes. a real weak link, then they can spoil the whole. Uh, the whole group. That makes or, sense, or if, though, by the way, because it would be trivially easy if the monsters didn't scale with the additional uh, force brought in by additional players. Right, right. Or if your buddy doesn't know how to wake up a monster correctly and you have to sit there texting him furiously <laughs> not to blow this. Yeah. Uh, or if you're like me and I'm just hanging back and letting them kill the Angosaurus and I'm just watching and still <laughs> trying to figure out which button reloads the, the bowgun. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> now, I did think I once joined somebody's game because they had sent up an SOS flare, and I was still pretty clumsy at the time, and I may have lost the mission for them. I may have been the guy who uh, took oh, the final no. hit. No, yeah, you're absolutely really... right, Ian. I forgot. No, there is a huge drawback to that because the, the, the number of deaths is global. Like I yep. can I, – and, and I, McMaster and our friend can tell you that I, am, I found that out the hard way. When I die, that's that's a draw. That's one of your lives lost as well. That's yep. terrible. I don't want people joining me then if they're going to die. <laughs> you also have to coordinate a little bit, but generally it's worth it. I, I really, I mean, the multiplayer experience is awesome. As long as you, you know, you got to be a little careful. You can't all go at the same point on the monster. You know, hammer guy will hit his friends out of the way. Uh, when when we played the three of us, or I guess there was a fourth guy there. You know, there was a few times where my uh, super blast sent McMaster flying. So there is kind of a friendly fire because I was wondering about that when I was shooting my little <laughs> yeah. explosive rounds and testing the different shots from the the bow gun. So you there don't is a, cause any damage, but you can but you will knock people about. You'll mess up their positioning and stuff. Yeah. Ah, McMaster, I apologize if I ever did that to you. 
I'm positive you did. <laughs> and, and I think some of the, all this is why the game has the sort of pacing to the fighting that it does have, right? Like, the fact is that, you know, you'll go to swing your big sword and it's a nice slow swing so that somebody else can accidentally shoot you and knock you out of it. Allows for all that to unfold in a way that if it was all moving faster, it'd be a bit uh, crazy. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Ian, was there what uh, have we touched on the things that that you really like about the game? Is there something that uh, we haven't mentioned yet that makes it work for you specifically? We touched a lot of the things I liked, but there was one that I wrote down on my list for my homework that I uh, we haven't mentioned, which is for me. I think Monster Hunter has one of the most sophisticated balances of action skills and stats that I've encountered or that I've played much of. Meaning it's not a game where, like, yeah, you know, Guild Wars, if I just play it long enough and level up my dude, I can yep. just sort of hit back and press buttons. I don't have to get good at anything to level yeah. up in Guild Wars versus uh, Dark Souls, I guess maybe as an example, where you really have to build up skills or, or maybe like a Tony Hawk oh. game where it's all about there's no stats. It's all about you getting better at interfacing with the game so that's yeah. the kind of balance you're talking about ian yeah exactly like you know there is a at any given moment in monster hunter there's there is a limit you you know there's some set of weapons that you can choose from right you could you could grind up one of the other weapons but it's not grinding in a sort of traditional rpg where you're advancing it, you're sort of moving around a fixed sort of power level right mm -hmm. and so ultimately you might find ingredients that get you through it but you know, for me, there was a point when I was sort of stuck in this game, and the entire change was that I got better at using the gun lance. You know, and there isn't anything else you can do to to increase your power level except for what you can do at that moment. So, you know, yeah, like you said, in, in other RPGs, you're like, well, I'll go kill weak enemies for a bit longer and I'll go up a level. Right. I'll just farm experience points until I can brute force past whatever challenge I'm facing. Yeah, and that doesn't really exist in Monster Hunter. You might you might uncover a new strategy that you hadn't thought about, like a new potion that you had been able to make but you had never chosen to. But there isn't a um a way to purely like stat grind your way through any given wall. Right, right. Uh, McMaster, I'm gonna still need you to to run interference on the Angosauruses for me. Of course you will. <laughs> there was no, there was no doubt. In that. Uh, when uh, has Capcom said anything about what kind of post-release? Like, is this game getting DLC? Uh, is it an out there and done kind of thing? What sort of post-release support does Capcom do with the Monster Hunters? I know that they've said that there's going to be um, new monsters coming. So I believe they announced the um, – oh, I always get the name wrong. It's like the Devil Ho or something like that. You just made up a word. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how you're supposed to pronounce the J in the Devil Ho. Um, maybe it's Devil Joe. I don't know. Uh, so that's a, like a classic Monster Hunter monster that is getting introduced. Oh, that's not in there yet. Like there, there's something that, that long – long time monster hunter players would know that they can't find in the game yet yeah exactly ah. and so that one's coming but and and i think they've said they're going to roll out a few more you know monsters but i don't know i don't know i don't know what power levels these things are coming in and i don't know what it, what the general plan is right uh, i will say that does remind me of something that i certainly admire about monster hunter world that i think 
Mm, yeah, I would say it's utterly unique in this regard. Uh, is this idea of you are fighting a big dinosaur that's kind of like a boss monster, and just emergently you might bump into another big monster, and then the two <laughs> monsters start fighting each other. And that that's that's not a scripted thing. When that would happen in something like you know Horizon Zero Dawn, that's like scripted, and they're gonna it's gonna you know they're gonna have some big clash to kill one of the like all of that is not going to just happen naturally uh although i guess in horizon zero dawn things will hunt each other but not to this idea of like these old king kong or godzilla movies where these big huge behemoths ignore you because they're intent on punching each other uh that that spectacle is just is unique to monster hunter for me i can't think of any other game that does something like that Oh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, you know, you asked us, uh, you know, what was special about Monster Hunter, and so the answer I gave was was more the series in general. But that feature in this one is there's was like hints of it in the past, but it is executed so much better in this year's model that it's just it's just awesome when you know you're in a desperate fight and then something else blunders into it and they go at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Instead of like both of them just attacking you, like that's yeah. really a cool, like the the fact that they put the thought into that, and and so sometimes like when I first started playing, I would be like, oh god, I've pulled some ads because it's that whole MMO mentality. As oh god, I was fighting one thing and now I'm fighting three things. But I found oh wait a minute, if I just back up, they're leaving me alone and they're more preoccupied with each other. I just I had not been conditioned by other video games to assume that that would ever happen, and that was yeah. such a cool surprise. My friend got stuck on Anjaneth as well, so he asked for my help. And, you know, I had only gotten a little bit past there, so it wasn't like I was actually super powered or anything like that. It was just that I had been able to do it. And so we got we ended up fighting him several times. And in one of the fights, he Anjaneth tried to limp off and take a nap in the um the dragon's nest. Right. And so it came along and it grabbed him and threw him off. And so just off the set, I edge of the cliff. And we had to go chase him down. Now, can monsters kill each other? Yes, yes. They do huge damage to each other. It can be quite of a game changer. Well, why don't I then just lead an Anjanath into uh, one of those big rock-flying bird things and let them do the work? Because when it happened before, when I was playing with other people, they're still wailing away at the monster and whittling down its hit points or whatever. Uh can't I just let them kill each other, or does the game prevent that from happening? So, you know, the monsters treat each other kind of the way they treat you, which is there's a point where if the if they take enough of a beating, they try to disengage. So the I believe I have seen a bit one monster kill another, but it was only in a case where I had done substantial damage. I, I had put it on death's door. Okay. Otherwise, normally, if the two monsters start fighting, then one of them might... They, they're going to break it up eventually. One of them's going to run off with its tail between its legs. Because I guess that is that is how they behave, even whether you're fighting them or someone else is fighting them, is they hit a threshold, and they leave, and it introduces like a new stage, right? Yeah. Right. And usually, it's it, they, these fights happen when sort of that part of the map is considered the territory of one of them. So it's it's usually oh. content to chase the, um, the other out. Right, right. And so, therefore, it's usually not a fight to the death when the big guys come at each other. Uh, Ian, have you seen all of the maps? Because I've only seen two of them. It's not much, but I guess you've you've seen all the world building, right? 
Yes, yeah, I've seen the um, or I've seen all the major maps. There's some few like little subsections, I think, given what I've seen of the game so far and some of what I read online. But um, so the map, you you've made it to the desert-like area, right? Um, and then after that is this sort of uh, it's called the Coral Highlands, which is it looks like, well, it looks like coral, but it's on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's and, mm-hmm. sorry, there's the the Rotten Vale, which is this giant monster graveyard where everything goes to die and that's sort of uh bubbly and gross uh and you say what are these these little uh, smaller areas that you're talking about there are areas um, that you haven't found yet well let's see if i guess maybe you just stopped short of this there's a point you know how the the game is framed around chasing this uh elder dragon that showed up right right and then you sort of go and they, they build this uh barricade and there's a whole like fight on the barricade trying to capture the dragon. Oh, and, and that's a separate area you're saying? Yeah, it's a, it's oh, a sort okay. of separate yeah. set piece area. It's not like a main uh, piece of the world. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, and uh, what do you uh, – is this something that uh, you think you'll keep playing? Are you nearing the end of it? Uh, is a Monster Hunter game – Is a does a Monster Hunter game ever end for you? So I've always been – I love these games to death, but I'm not the most dedicated player. Um, unlike, I have like a, at least two friends who go for the who in the previous games would go for the G rank, which is the highest sort of badge of honor in Monster Hunter. Oh, so there is leveling, kind of. Well, there is a there's 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 ranks that are assigned, but those those ranks are reflective of the feats you have accomplished. Okay, yeah, and you know, I think I have right. I think I have seen that because yeah. I I would have gotten a couple of those, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. So so it's it's really how far you've gotten represents your rank, right? And uh, but each Monster Hunter I've played, I've played more of. So I you know I've done I did at least eighty hours of the last one. So I'm I'm still going on this one quite happily, and eventually, if it reaches a point where I can't uh, – when I reach the mountain that I can't scale, I kind of just let it go, and right. I'm usually very content at that point. Right. There, there are other games out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, McMaster, have you moved on? Nah, I don't know. Not really, uh, but maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. McMaster, <laughs> let me put it this way. When was the last time you played Monster Hunter World? A few days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. If it's been if it's been within a week, then I think you haven't quite moved on. Once you can say, "Oh gosh, I didn't play it all this week," yeah, you're probably done. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I hear you. Uh, all right, well, thank you guys so much, uh, and Ian, especially. I, I was so glad you you uh, contacted me because uh, we're just dilettantes, and I can imagine too. By the way, Nick uh, is probably about the level that I am, so we would have had to do a Monster Hunter World podcast where the authority figure was Jason McMaster. You don't want that, folks. That's, you know that's, I can't conceive of that world. <laughs> no, it's a horrible world. Uh, so, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate that. Glad I could be a service. Uh, and for listeners, come on back next week. I'm going to be talking with one of the developers of a game called Deep Sixth uh, from Little Red Dog Games. Uh, so tune in for that, and I'll see you guys then. Uh, thanks for listening to our Monster Hunter World podcast, and we'll see you guys in a week. Cheers. I was working in the lab late one night.
night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight My monster from his slab began to rise When suddenly